Nova Scotia has a headstone that says, here lies Ezekiel Akel, age 102. The good die young. It's kind of passive aggressive, don't you think? In a London, England cemetery, Anne Mann. Here lies Anne Mann, who lived an old maid, but died an old man. In Ribsford, England, Anna Wallace. The children of Israel wanted bread, and the Lord sent them manna. Old clerk Wallace wanted a wife, and the devil sent him Anna. Y'all thought y'all were just going to sleep through the sermon, didn't you? You got to think about these things. Here lies Johnny Yeast. Pardon me for not rising. I think that's funny right there. Here lies the body of Johnny Blake. Stepped on the gas instead of the brake. The Silver City, Nevada Cemetery. Here lies Butch. We planted him raw. He was quick on the trigger, but slow on the draw. We don't like to think about the fact that all of us have one destination. And you might hate that I'm talking about this, but we need to talk about it. Because we all will end the same way. We have a span of life. Uh, that we live, some of us a few years, some of us many, but we all will one day approach our end. I like games of strategy, and uh, one of the supreme games of strategy, it seems so simple, but it is very complex, is chess. Uh, Chess, to be successful at chess, you have to start well, but you always have to think a few steps ahead. And even more, you must have in your mind, even as you begin, the end game. What pieces do you want to end up with on your side? Which pieces are okay to sacrifice? Which ways can you outflank your opponent? In which ways can you end up with more positions and pieces of power than your opponent? And you're looking forward to those last few moves that are called the end game. Obviously, the goal is to checkmate your opponent, uh, to force them into a position where they either have to resign or uh, they are defeated. In life, I think, it's important for us to have a visual understanding, a, a, a look beyond the span of the years that we have to see that our end game is in focus. Because the way we see our end, I think, determines how we live each day week each year of our lives. We've come to the point in our study of Second Timothy to talk about, I think, Paul kind of summarizing his end game. And in this he talks about very clearly, directly, about his death. And in so doing, as he gives us these words, it brings to mind three questions I want to give you to wrestle with this morning, and and I hope not just this morning, but uh, through this week and through your future to come. Three questions we want to ask today from these verses, these words from Paul. First, what kind of departure will you have? What kind of departure 
will you have? 2 Timothy 4, 6 says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. Now remember where Paul is. He's in a prison cell in Rome. He's there not because he's committed some heinous crime. He's there because he has been about his faith unrepentant. He has been about his faith clear and direct. And because he believed in the lordship of Christ, because he would not back down on his testimony, his loyalty to Christ, Nero, the Roman emperor, had put him in the prison. Probably just a few days or weeks after these words were written, legend has it that Nero had Paul beheaded. And so his departure was near. We don't know when our departure will happen from this earth, but as Brandon's communion thought illustrated, it could happen in a moment, in a blink of an eye. Thankfully, his doctor is still living, but it could happen to any of us in the blink of an eye. Scripture says, Hebrews 9.27, just as pe people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. The reality is we all will face death. You know, a few years ago, Beth and I prepared our last will and testament. Uh, we stared down that fact that, that we would need to prepare for what happened after we were gone. And Paul here is preparing. He's, he's talking to Timothy, and he's been doing this for years, trying to, to establish the churches so that they would be strong enough to continue after he's gone. And for Timothy specifically, he's saying, Timothy, I need you to take up the mantle. I need you to take up the banner and continue to serve. And so all of us need to think about what will happen after we're gone and prepare for it. And there are two terms here used that I think are very instructive. First, he says he is like a drink offering. Well, where's that come from? If you know the Old Testament, uh, it was a practice that the Jew, the Israelites were uh, commanded to do every day. Particularly, we read in Exodus chapter 29. This is an instruction, Exodus 29, beginning with verse 38. This is what you're to offer on the altar regularly each day. He's talking to the priest. Two lambs a year old. Offer one in the morning and the other at twilight. With the first lamb, offer a tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with a quarter of hen of oil from pressed olives and a quarter of a hen of wine as a drink offering. Sacrifice the other lamb at twilight with the same grain offering and its drink offering as in the morning, a pleasing aroma, an offering made to the Lord, Lord by fire. Now this wine, uh, they drank, uh, they enjoyed drinking this wine. It was how they remained hydrated. It was how they kept going. And uh, this wine was used not for the consumption of humans. It was carefully pressed and and made and they were commanded to take not only that lamb and that flower but even this wine this wine was to be offered to the Lord and what was it to be a pleasing aroma other places in Scripture tell us that that we can live a life that I think God smells it, it smells so great I want you to think about the thing that you love to smell most maybe it's coffee in the morning uh, maybe it's flowers. Maybe it's the, the curious blend of those smells that surround new babies, right? With the, 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 those powders and the, the different things. Whatever that smell, you, you also can think of 
odors that aren't so nice. You ever crossed paths with a few dead skunks lying on the road? Not so pleasant. What Paul's saying here is, I give my life completely to God. I always have. And I'm being poured out like a drink offering. It, that's something that's not to be consumed by humans. There's no ulterior or, or alternative purpose. It is totally to be given to him. And so Paul says, I, I've given it all I have. I wonder today, could you say that? I give all that I have to the Lord. It's not mine, but it's his. My hope would be that, that I could say that on my last day, and I hope that for you as well. I'm being poured out like a drink offering. And I hope that God, when he smells my life, that it's a pleasing aroma to him. And then he says departure. I'm ready for my departure. There are three word pictures behind that word in Greek. The first is a, a ship that's at the port and is ready to set sail. Beth and I, we're, we're celebrating our anniversary in a few weeks, a couple weeks, by going on a cruise. And it's always fun on that cruise. Once you hustle and bustle to get there and go through all those lines and do all that stuff, when you're there and, the, and that anchor line is thrown away and then you set sail toward good times and hopefully not too much food that will put all my weight back on in four days. You set sail. Another word picture given by that word is a, an army getting ready to break camp, You're getting ready to to go into battle or to go to the next place to battle. And the third word picture is, is the, a person that has this heavy, crushing burden and, and they finally get to lay it down. And Paul's saying that I have, with my life, I've given it all I have in this life, with this body, but I'm ready to set sail. I'm ready to break camp. I'm ready to lay my burden down. Friends, I, I hope you understand and I hope you see as, as you get older, as you spend more time with the Lord, that, that really death is nothing to fear. Death is a, a setting sail on an eternal cruise. Death is a lake breaking camp to go to that place where there's no more war, no more tears, no more desert, no, no more disease, no more mourning. And death is a place where you can lay your burden down. That's what Paul understood. But you all, I as well, will determine what kind of departure we have by how we live now. And so that's the second question I have for you. What kind of legacy will you leave? What kind of legacy will you leave? You know, we've been talking about that for several weeks. I think that's the theme of the whole book of Second Timothy lasting legacy that's what we've been talking about what, what kind of legacy will you leave verse 7 says this i have fought the good fight some of the most famous uh, words of paul in scripture i've fought the good fight i've finished the race i've kept the faith i think you can break that down into him saying this this is his legacy he first lived a disciplined life he lived a disciplined life what do i mean by that when he says there, I have fought the good fight, it literally means he has disciplined his body to, to take on whatever came. You get a short 
version, a, a short list of those challenges that he faced in 2 Corinthians 6, 4 and 5. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. You can go on and read it if you have your Bibles or read it later this week down to verse 10. It's quite a list. But I pulled out for you those things that were hardest for him. Those things that were most difficult, uh, surely, uh, to maintain his discipline. You know, when you are on a, a team of sports, uh, you go through practice after practice, not just to fill your days up, but to get in shape, to get ready for the challenges that will come. Likewise, I think God has for us certain spiritual disciplines that we're to undertake day by day, not just on Sundays when we gather together for worship, and not just in those big times when we get together with other Christians, but day by day, we develop habits that will prepare us for the things that are to come. They'll prepare us uh, to celebrate the good times. They also will prepare us uh, to endure, to survive, even to thrive in the midst of tough times. That's why you devote yourself to reading the Word. We've been talking about that several weeks. Chapter 3 talks about that a lot. You devote yourselves to reading and understanding God's Word, to understanding God's character, understanding God's values. You spend time in prayer every day with the Lord, telling Him about what's going on with you, bringing to Him your praises, bringing to Him your confessions, bringing to Him your thanksgivings, bringing to Him, yes, your requests. Not just your requests, but also your requests, right? You learn to hear from Him. You learn to sense the leading of the Holy Spirit as you pray that the Spirit would lead you in how to live your life. You spend time in solitude. You spend time in fasting. All of those disciplines are you, you subject yourself to so that when tough times come like they did for Paul and they will for every Christian, when those tough times come, your spiritual muscles will be rippling. Your fortitude, your perseverance will be greater than whatever it is you face. Paul was up to that challenge. Paul subjected himself to those disciplines and he teaches about the, us them in his letters that we see in the New Testament. So I think we want to think about as we think about what kind of legacy we will leave, we need to think about what will be our touchstones, what will be the habits, what will be the, the spiritual disciplines that we'll leave behind as an example for those around us. Secondly, he says he, he, leave, he leaves a directional life legacy, a directional life. This is the second part uh, of verse B, uh, excuse me, verse 7. I have finished the race, or I have finished the course. Now, he, he's not saying like Frank Sinatra, I, I've lived my life my way. I've done it my way. No, he's not talking about that at all. He's finished the course that God has set for him. He's finished the course that God gave him in life. God gives us all different pathways. What I love about our church is many of us have come from different places, even international places. Many of us have come via the Air Force or via the university. We've come from all of the different states in the Union. And as I say, we've come from different international places to come study. We come from different places. We all have different 
races to run, but, but they all point to the same place. You see, the Bible says that man was made in God's image. And I think if we're made in his image, that means we're made to seek to be like him. We're made to seek to reconnect with him and to be little examples of him. Little lives of godliness that are lived out before others in the world that is not so godly. We're, we're called to stay on course. We're called to set that course and to continue to walk toward that goal. You know, I used to have a, a thought in my head. Growing up in Georgia, this time of year, uh, the mountains of North Georgia fill up, particularly a little mountain called Springer Mountain. You might know that's the southern terminus of the Appalachian Trail. Uh, 2,190 miles of trail of ups and downs, and as you go through those mountains, there's a lot of ups. I've hiked different parts of it, but people who commit to walking the whole 2,190 miles, they're known as through hikers. And normally they start in Springer Mountain, Georgia, in March, right around this time. So all the shelters are filled up. It's kind of crazy. It starts out as all of these people setting their goal to finish in Maine, Mount Katahdin, in September or October sometime. It takes five to seven months. You imagine walking that far, carrying your supplies at one time. You might imagine that only one-fourth of the people that start out finish. I used to think, I remember when I was in my 30s, I used to think, when I get about 54, 55, I'm going to take seven months off and I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail. Now, I think I could do it a lot better than I could this time last year because I'm 70 pounds lighter, but I also think this, that my priorities have changed. Now, I don't know if I could finish. You know, I might, it might wear me out. But I do know this, I, I don't have as my priority so much a distant mountain in Maine. I have as a priority in my life bringing the word, the life-saving word of Jesus to everybody that I can talk to. I have in my mind uh, to bring the comfort and the counsel of Jesus to everybody that I can to help equip the servants of God to grow and do better service for God, uh, to lead a body to be all that we can be because times are short. And so I would ask of you, to think today what is your direction what is the goal that you have far out in the future for you it's important to think about that because I think those priorities can change just like mine have and I hope that you see that when we breathe our last breath I think the goal the end game has to be in mind or else we will approach that last day with regrets. We'll approach that last day, those last days of decisions we regret and maybe straying off course and wandering. I don't think Paul had that at all. He said, I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. And then he goes on to say, I've lived a doctrinal life. How did he finish? I have kept the faith. What he's saying is, I've been true to God's Word. I've lived God's Word. I've preached 
God's word. I've taught God's word despite the fact that it could have been a lot easier if I'd have just watered it down a little. If I'd have just been a little more ear-pleasing. If I'd have just fit in a little more with the values, the, the, the scriptures that I've interpreted, if I just fudged those a little, it could have been easier. It would have been a lot more popular, a lot less difficult. I think, friends, it's important for us to, to realize and remember that doctrine matters, especially in an age today where in the church, different churches across our land, you can find people saying all kinds of different things in contemporary life are validated by Scripture when they're not if you interpret it with standard principles of hermeneutics. We can't change God's word to fit our culture. We have to conform our lives to his unchanging, everlasting word. And we need to be able to say, I think, that we didn't fudge, we, we didn't water down the scripture but we attempted to live by it all of us are infallible none of us will uh, perfectly live out those scriptures but we don't need to change uh, the scripture we need to live by it i've kept the faith that's what he's saying i have lived by the doctrines of god so what kind of departure will you have what kind of legacy will you leave and finally what kind of reward will you receive what kind of reward will you receive not re, receive, okay? Verse eight, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. What is he saying? He's saying that that goal line will feature, it will be a place where when you have lived that faithful life, and Paul believed he'd lived that faithful life, that he would receive a crown, not from any earthly power. As I shared with you, he probably was just a few days from his death at the hands of Nero, but he wasn't looking to Nero for his reward. He wasn't looking for the political powers that be to reward him. He wasn't looking for uh, the bank account that was full to reward him. He wasn't looking for all the laurels based on his career or on his material goods to reward him. He was looking for standing before the Lord and, and being able to say, I've done my best. I've given my all. I've kept the faith. I've fought the fight. I've finished the race. And so, so I hope it would happen for us. Now, here's the problem. Howard Hendricks did an exhaustive study of the men and women of the Bible. Now, these are people in the Bible. He concluded there are approximately 100 detailed biographies in the Bible. And he notes, sadly, listen to this, that approximately two-thirds of those 100 or so men or women that we read about in Scripture, their lives ended poorly. Either they turned to immorality or they drifted away from the faith or they ended their life in a backslidden condition. Those are daunting words. Those are challenging words. You see, right now, uh, you're here today, and I, I think you're here today because you want your faith to grow, and amen to that. I'm glad you're here. But I want you to understand that life 
is a series of decisions. It's a series of days piled one after the other. And we must be, I hope, on an ever-rising trajectory to be more like him and never lose heart, never lose faith. Some of those two-thirds perhaps had bad things happen to them, so they wandered. Maybe they got tired of fighting the battle between the flesh and the spirit, and they gave in to the flesh. Just because you are close to him today does not mean you will necessarily finish close to him at the end. It is your choice. It's your decision. And so this day, I want you to think about, honestly, where is your life in relation to Jesus Christ? What excuses maybe have you made and you're not as close to him today as you were yesterday? What disappointments have led you not to be as close to him today as you were yesterday? And course correct if you know you're not where you need to be. Have that end in mind. 2003, the second year coach, Jim Tressel, uh, talked to his Ohio State Buckeyes right before the Fiesta Bowl. And he said to them, uh, reminded them of the game, game plan, but he said memorably to, memorably to them the last thing he said before they hit the field. How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? Now, they went out and won a thrilling double overtime game to win the national championship over the Miami Hurricanes. But you probably didn't remember that. Because, like it or not, sports really don't matter that much in eternity. And I say that as a rabid sports fan. But the question I do want you to wrestle with, how do you want to be remembered? I think focus on the end will help us to live a powerful effective, lasting legacy for him. Fathers, we think about these things today. I pray that there is not condemnation, but where there is conviction, help us to follow through. We realize perhaps that we're not on course. Help us to get back there. We realize perhaps that other things get in the way of us pleasing you. Help us to, to take steps to get that right. To get our priorities in order. And I pray that all of us, all of us can look forward to that day that we might receive a crown of righteousness because we long for your appearing. Thank you, Lord, for your, your direction. Thank you for this servant, Paul, who lays it out for us in ways that we can understand. Help us not to be afraid of death because we're ready. And help us to live every day as if it were our last. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.